Connect Church family, I am so pumped to be with you guys today. Uh, to my online community, what's up, y'all fam? I'm so excited you guys are joining us today. Wherever you're joining us from, whether you're local, regional, national, international, global, wherever you're at, we are honored that you're a part of our church family. And thank you for joining. We're in a series called Rebuild right now. This is week three. Our pastor brought the past two weeks of teachings. And we're talking about Nehemiah. He made this confession. I want everybody to repeat it after me. Say, I am a Nehemiah. Come on, I am a Nehemiah. I'm a builder. I'm a builder. Nehemiah got this burden uh, when he was serving under King Artaxerxes. And he got this burden to see the walls of Jerusalem being rebuilt. And in this process, we learn so much about leadership. We learn so many lessons and principles and axioms we can pull from Nehemiah's life that can apply to our everyday life. See, one thing you need to know is that the Bible was not written to us, but the Bible was written for us. It is for our benefit. It is to make us wise unto salvation, the Bible says. Essentially, that just means to make us mature in Christ. And uh, one of the things I love about Nehemiah's story is we can learn so much because here's what I believe, is that we can be good people and not live a good life. But Nehemiah gives us so many lessons to live a good life, and that's why I'm excited about today. I actually have a specific assignment. My dad come up, came up to me, and he was like, Dev, one thing I need to teach, uh, one thing I need you to teach the church is on opposition. And uh, I need them to understand what opposition is about, that they're going to face attacks, and just like Nehemiah did, I need them to learn some of these lessons. And I couldn't really figure out the subliminal message was like, hey, I know you got a lot of haters, so why don't you talk about that? And I'm like, I don't know. I feel like I need some ministry for that. But anyways, um, that's what I want to talk about today. So why don't you go to Nehemiah chapter 6. And uh, as you turn there, hopefully you got a paperback Bible. I brought my Bible. We're going to be in and out of the scriptures today, really in chapter 4 and in chapter 6 a good bit, even delving into chapter 3. But uh, I can't wait to talk about this because this is the story of the entire book of Nehemiah. We go from ruins to revival. If you want a, summa uh, a summation of the entire book right there, it is that sentence. It is going from ruins into revival. But how many know getting to that place where the city was rebuilt, the walls were rebuilt, the people were built back up? How many know that's not an easy journey? But they actually did it in super lightning fast time. And I want to show you why, and I want to show you how, but I also want to pull a few lessons from that as to why he did it, how he did it, and even how you can do it in your own personal life. Um, Nehemiah chapter 6, verses 1 through 4 is where we will be. Um, again, we're in the Rebuild series. One thing I did want to highlight and shout out to my online family is uh, I had a little story that I thought was so impactful that I wanted to share uh, before we even got into the message. There was a woman that came up to uh, us after service. She was so deeply moved by week one of our Rebuild series. And she says, I'm going to dedicate the house that I just got approved for. She's going to move into a new house out in Uxbridge, Mass. She says, I'm going to dedicate my house. It's going to be called the House of Nehemiah. I was so moved by it. And she goes, I want my house to be a house of ministry. God has so blessed me. This series has so impacted me. And she's like, I want to use my house to do kingdom work. So she's like, if you know of anybody, and we actually got to, I actually got to have a conversation with her, and I watched it happen, where she offered her house. She has a little in-law apartment. And she said, I want you to live here for free. I want you to live here, and I want to provide this as an opportunity for young people, for the next generation to be raised in this house. And this will be a house called a house of Nehemiah. I thought that was so powerful. And uh, as I was reflecting on it, I just thought to myself, maybe a story like that could impact so many of us. That, that would, I don't know, challenge us, change us, maybe convict us a little bit. Because your house, I wrote this down in my notes, and I think this is important to say. 
Your house is not a place where you just should get sleep. It's a house where people should find rest. Your house is not just a place where you should fall asleep at. It's a house where people should find rest at. And I just love that this, this woman was so impacted by this series so far that she said, I'm going to be like a Nehemiah. I'm a Nehemiah. And I'm going to make my house to be a house that people can build their life upon. And I don't know. I just want to share that to our church family because for me, I was so impacted by it. My wife and I, we do more ministry in our house than we even do in our church. And uh, I just want to challenge our church family. You're called to be a Nehemiah. Our pastor has given us this vision and we are Nehemiahs. And uh, I can't wait to, to share a few lessons on how he handled opposition because he faced a lot of it. Nehemiah chapter 6 verses 1 through 4, it says this. Now when, here's three characters I want to highlight. Now when Sanballat, Tobiah, and Geshem the Arab, and the rest of our enemies heard that I had built up the wall, Nehemiah speaking, and that there was no breach left in it, although there was still a little bit of doors and gates to set up, Sanballat and Geshem sent to me saying, come, let us meet together at, I can't even pronounce that, at the Hecathirim in the plain of Ono. Now, first of all, you should see that this is a prophetic word. The, the plain of Ono is prophetic. Oh no, he should not do it. Oh no. There's a song in TikTok culture right now. It goes, oh no, oh no, oh no, 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 no. All the young people know what I'm talking about right now. Literally, this is not a place he should go because, watch this, watch what Nehemiah said. Because they intended to do me harm. Now Nehemiah is using the spiritual skill called discernment. He is basically able to make good judgments without having all the information. And so they intended to do me harm. And I sent messengers saying to them, I'm doing a great work and I'm not coming down. I love that line right there. I'm doing a great work and I'm not coming down. Why should the work stop while I leave it and come down to you? And they sent to me four more times in this way and I answered them in the same manner. I want you to be so convinced today when you walk away from this message just like Nehemiah was. I want you confident. I want you assured. I want you to know in your knower that you're doing a great work. I love that adjective right before work, great work. He didn't say, I'm not not doing a, a good work. I'm not just doing a profitable work. I'm doing a great work. Nehemiah was convinced that what he was doing was God ordained and it was a God dream. But how many know every God dream will face opposition? Every single God dream will face opposition, and that's what I want to talk about today. Here's my subject for my my sermon, my time today for the next 30 minutes, is I want to talk about this, the truth about trolls. The truth about trolls. Now, for my older generation, let me give you a little context, because the younger generation, this is a modern and maybe a relevant term for them. Trolls are not the things that you saw in the Disney movie uh, you know, Pixar kind of stuff. It's not the things with the neon, you know, hair and it goes everywhere and they're singing Justin Timberlake songs. You can't stop the feeling. It's not that, it's not that troll, okay? Trolls are people that are really deliberately annoying, annoying, they're nuisances. Trolls are the biggest issue we have in America right now because people are trolling each other and they're not having conversations with each other. This is a huge epidemic and pandemic that we are really going through in our world is we can't have conversations with each other because people are just condemning and attacking each other. And I want to talk about that. I want to talk about how God's given you purpose for your life, but there will be trolls that the devil sends in your life to thwart you from your destiny and thwart you from your purpose. And Nehemiah was facing this very same thing. I want to talk about the truth about trolls. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you, Jesus, for what you're doing in our church. I pray that this message would impact people so deeply that they would recognize that this is not just, you know, a funny 
cute sermon or lesson, but I pray that they would get some tools. They would get conviction. They would get some lessons or principles they could draw from so that they could walk out into life and when they face opposition, they will be able to withstand all the heat that they face. Father, help us to see Jesus in this text. Help us to hear from heaven, Lord, and to encounter the power of God. We love you. Help me preach this word today in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Um, simple question. Got a simple question for you. When was the last time you got nervous? When was the last time you were nervous, like nervous, nervous, okay? Let me give you a little context and insight into my life. I've been playing basketball since I was a kid. I don't get nervous playing basketball. I feel like I'm pretty confident in my skill and my ability. I don't think I'm the best player on the planet, but I think I'm the best player in this church. Holla at you. I'm kidding. I don't really think that. I actually do. But anyways, um, this particular Sunday, last Sunday, uh, I got asked to step up into the bigger division, into the big leagues, okay? I play in this league. It's called BYL. And there's an elite division, and then there's a legacy division. The legacy division is much more of a recreational, still competitive. I played in that last session. Uh, played pretty well. But I got asked to come up into the elite division this time. Now, the elite division has a baseline level. Y- you can only play in the elite division if you have collegiate experience or accolades, so everybody is a college athlete. Everybody, some people are Division I athletes. Uh, there's some pros. Some pros that are playing overseas right now. A few NBA players playing this. And so, like, y'all, I was a little nervous. I'm not going to lie. Not because I am scared of, and I'm not confident in my skill, but I'm nervous because I'm a 5'9", short, white boy that can't really jump at all, okay? Like, that's why I'm a little nervous. All right, so I'm playing in the league. First game comes up. And to be totally transparent, by the grace of God, I'm doing pretty good. Matter of fact, the term we use in basketball is I was cooking. I was cooking real good. We call that barbecue chicken. I was cooking, and I, it was barbecue. It was easy for me. First half, everybody goes, this is how you know you're playing good, by the way. When the ref turns to you and he goes, yo, he turns to the other team, and he talks to the opponents. He goes, yo, anybody going to cover this white boy? I'm like, that's my ref right there. That's my guy. So literally, he's like, he's like on my side. And so I'm like, yo, here's the five bucks that I owe you after the game. I'm just kidding. I didn't do that. But I'm playing. And I'm cooking. I think I had maybe 20 points in the first half. Doing pretty well, to be honest. To the point where the opponent, my adversary, the other team, recognized that, hey, this kid's shooting pretty well. He's doing pretty well against us. He's actually killing us right now. And so now we have to put a new defender on him to stop him and thwart him. So the goal was to stop me or to distract me because I was doing pretty well. And I realized this, that they didn't do that. They didn't do that until they recognized that I was a threat. Now, what they did is they put a 6'7 NBA basketball player on me. This past Sunday, ladies and gentlemen, this 5'9 short white boy that cannot jump more than a 12-inch vertical had an NBA basketball player covering me on defense. And you might be thinking to yourself, wow, this is the moment where he stepped up. I know what this heroic story is going to look like. He cooked him. He won. He got the game winner. I was locked down, okay? I didn't do a thing. This guy was nasty. Six, seven, huge. I'm short. I can't, like, locked down. Like, locked down, I felt like I was incarcerated. I couldn't get out of prison. It was horrible. Horrible. But I also turned to him at the same time because I turned to him and I was literally like, my man, can I just be honest for a second? Yo, I'm honored that you're covering me right now. Like, literally, I shook his hand. I was fanboying hardcore. But this guy, so big, so tough. If you looked at his body, you'd be like, this guy is like a Greek god. Like, he is huge, six, massive, strong, muscular. You'd be like, yeah, this guy looks like Optimus Prime. And then you look at me, and you'd be like, 
this guy looks like Bumblebee a little bit, you know? He's just, you know, decent body, just whatever, you know? Just average kind of guy. I was locked down, fam, okay? Let me just say, I was locked down. The reason I say that story, though, is I got threatened because I became, watch this, a threat. I became a threat, and that's why I got threatened. It leads me to the lesson that I want to teach today. Because I think this is so important for all of us to recognize and to realize, is the reason so many of you are being attacked and the reason so many of you, maybe spiritually speaking, maybe you have criticism or opposition coming away, the reason you are being threatened is because you are a threat to the enemy. That's the real reason. This is leading me right into the story of Nehemiah, where the reason he got the attention of Sambal, the reason he got the attention of Tobiah, the reason he got the attention of Geshem, is because he was rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem, and, he, and these people hated that the welfare of Israel, the welfare of the Jews, the welfare of the city being rebuilt was coming back into fruition, and they hated it. Make no mistake about it, not everybody wants to see you win. And so it leads me to the thesis, leads me to my big idea for today. It's this major lesson right here, and it's this, is that every calling comes with criticism. Every single one. Every calling comes with criticism. It comes with the responsibility that God has given you. Or I'll say it a different way. Every assignment comes with an attack. Every single assignment. I want you to know that if you are doing kingdom work, you should expect a demonic attack. I'll say it again. If you're doing kingdom work, you should expect a demonic attack. And I want to I just encourage some people, it is not because you're doing something wrong. The attack on your life is not because you're doing something wrong. Matter of fact, it's because you're doing something right. And I want to I provide confidence to some of you. What do you do in the middle of that? What do you do when opposition is coming away? What do you do when people are slandering your name? What do you do when you have betrayal and you have a knife in your back because an employer, an employee that you used to employ and raise them up turns and does something shady on you? What do you do with that kind of stuff? Well, I think Nehemiah gives a perfect formula and he gives us maybe a blueprint on how to handle people like that. My definition would be this. They'd be trolls. This is what, this is what culture calls them, is trolls. Here's my working definition of what a troll is, okay? A troll or trolling is deliberately being offensive or provocative with the intent of upsetting, hurting, or distracting. Trolling is deliberately being offensive or provocative with the intent of upsetting, hurting, or distracting. If you read Nehemiah chapter 4, verse 7 through 8, we're going to go there. I'm going to flip in my Bible. Nehemiah chapter 4, verses 7 through 8. But when Sambal and Tobiah and the Arabs and the Ammonites and the Ashdodites heard the repairing of the walls in Jerusalem was going forward, watch, so there is advancement with the walls being repaired, and that there were breaches, and the breaches were beginning to be closed, they were very angry. They were frustrated. So verse 8. And then all these people plotted together to come and fight against Jerusalem and to cause, what was it? Confusion. So because they saw the advancement of the walls being built, because they saw that, that these walls were actually going back up again, nobody thought in their right mind that these walls would go back up again, that the city of God would be rebuilt again, that the, that the presence of God could dwell in the temple again. And so Nehemiah had this burden on his heart. He was so heartbroken. We learned this in week one from Pastor Derek. He was so heartbroken. He, he, it was emotional to him that he got this burden, and now he's starting to build the city. But how many know, as he started to build the city, he faced opposition. And these people, all they wanted to do, they were angry because it was being rebuilt, and they plotted together to come and fight against Jerusalem, and they wanted to cause confusion in it. And it leads me to this thought, where just because 
Just because you have a God dream doesn't mean everybody is on board with that dream. I think it's important for us to recognize and realize that these were trolls. These were people that were intentionally and deliberately trying to, what, what, was, the, what was the definition? They're trying to upset, hurt, or distract. That is their intent of being offensive or provocative. And uh, Sandballot, Tobiah, Geshem, all these guys were deliberately trying to thwart the purposes in the people of God. That's a troll. Is somebody that has the intent of harming the purposes or the people of God. I wonder if you have ever faced criticism or opposition in your life. I wonder if this is speaking to you right now, where no matter where you're at, no matter what place you're at, we have all experienced trolls. We've all experienced people that have the intent to harm us. And Nehemiah is no different. Sambalat, Tobiah, and Geshem, they are, here's what I wrote down, they are racist, anti-Semitic haters who oppose the welfare of God's people and purposes. I know this is hitting home for some people. These men were racist. They, they, literally, they literally couldn't stand to see the Jews' welfare being built back up again. They, wanted no, they, they, had, they had no passion to see these people built back up. For what reason? I'm not really sure, to be honest. All I know is they had this racist view. They were anti-Semitic, and they opposed the will of God on uh, Jerusalem's life. So Samballat, Tobiah, and Geshem are anti-Semitic, racist haters that oppose the welfare of God's people and his purposes. And so what do you do about trolls? What do we do? What are trolls intent for? Well, I believe the enemy is on assignment, sending trolls, sending haters, sending racist haters to come to people like, I don't know, Nehemiah, uh, God's people. And he's sending them to distract them, to distort our purposes. And I'll give, you, I'll give you three thoughts. Trolls can, number one, they can delay our purpose. I'll give you number two. They can distract us from purpose. And number three, they can distort our purpose. They delay our purpose, distract us from purpose, and they distort our purpose. Number one, they can delay our purpose. Um, one of the major reasons, I was doing some reflection, one of the major reasons I did not go into ministry at the time that I did was because I wanted nothing to do with it. To be honest, it didn't look enjoyable. To be honest, it didn't look fun. To be honest, most of the people that I saw, including my, my parents for a season, were beyond stress because they, I saw so much backstabbing. Um, I don't know if you guys know some of this stuff, but, but my family has been sued multiple times. We've gotten death threats multiple times. We've been, um, we've been betrayed. We've been backstabbed. People leave and they don't say anything. You invest in people for years. And all of a sudden, just like that, they're gone. And I just saw it and I'm thinking to myself, like, why would I want to go into something where I'm just signing up for misery? To be honest, like COVID year was a tough year. You, you, we were sh I was shocked at how many people were like, I'm with you heart and soul, pastor. We're with you. Guys. Connect Church is our home church. Gone in a second because it was convenient. People leave. And I just saw that. And I thought to myself, I want nothing to do with that. And to be honest, the opposition that I saw, the opposition that we faced, the betrayal, the backstabbing that we faced time and time again, I was just like, I don't want, it. I don't want into this. God's called me to it. I feel like I know God's called me to it, but I want nothing to do with it because trolling, because opposition can really delay us from our purpose. Um, I remember just this past year, to be totally transparent with you, this past year, Father's Day comes around. And uh, I had a dark moment on Father's Day. I had a good Father's Day, but there was a dark moment in there. Um, it was around the same time frame. It was actually kind of ironic. I got a DM in my Instagram 
and it was from somebody that I had a previous uh, friendship with, and he essentially just sent this character defaming uh, direct message on Father's Day, talking about how you know I see some of these people post how you're like their spiritual father, and he just begins to berate my character. And I'm giving you a very shortened version of it. But to be honest, it just bothers me. Because it was somebody that I personally invested in for quite some time. And I'm not going to give a ton of face time to it. I'm, I, I think everybody, most everybody that's even listening to me right now has probably experienced something like that. Where you've had somebody that just defames your character. You feel completely misunderstood. And you feel the need to have to defend yourself. But I think real leaders, they, they, they reserve the right to just be misunderstood. And we don't always get to defend ourselves. So simultaneously that happens. And in the very same, really, hour, there was a young lady who hit me up and she says, thank you for being like a spiritual father to me. And she goes, I don't know where I'd be without you. And so I have two messages on my phone and I have to literally look at them side by side. Am I going to listen to the voice of an accuser or am I going to listen to a voice of almost like a daughter? And how many of us have been in that position where it, where it just feels like the opposition, the, the, the trolls, the people that are coming at you and defaming your character and hurting your character and, thwart, and spreading rumors and slanderous lies about you, making posts about you. How many know that just sounds so much louder to so many of us? And yet we have to make sure we doesn't, these trolls don't delay our purpose. We have to make sure that we don't just be thwarted by the enemy and his voice. And that's what trolls can do is they can delay us from our purpose. And number two, they distract us from our purpose. Trolls can distract us from purpose. And so how many of us have been so distracted? Craig Rochelle famously said it. If the devil cannot destroy you, he will distract you. He will take your focus off of your purpose, off of your mission, off of the God dream on your life. And then he'll put it towards something else like criticism, like opposition, like these trolls, like people that talk loud but have little bite. Is I was just talking to a friend of mine, Pastor Adriel Barros. He pastors out in uh, the Western Mass area. And Pastor Adriel was talking about how he went to Hawaii, actually. He went to Kona, Hawaii. He went off to visit a few friends out there. And he said, this place is absolutely beautiful. The most beautiful place he's ever been. It was literally paradise. Now, his wife is actually a nurse. And so she was looking for work. And ironically, somebody came up to him and go, hey, like, for some reason, I felt like we're supposed to tell you this, but um, there's actually an opening at the local hospital and uh, there's a nurse management position, which is something that his wife was training for. And literally, Adrian just goes, dude, it was so hard for me. Because we would genuinely weighed our options. We were like, can we move to Hawaii and live here? Because there's an opportunity. There's, there's literally a position for us. And he just, they came to the conclusion after they heard from the Lord that this was just a distraction. He's like, this, was, this would be an amazing, could, we, could you imagine living in Hawaii? Now listen, some people are called to it. I feel, personally, I feel like I'm called to it, possibly, Dad. I don't know. I feel like there should be a campus in Hawaii that I feel like I should start. Anyways, but Pastor Adriel literally was like, I knew it was from the devil. He aligned certain things to delve me and to, to, to distract me from my purpose. Is I knew it was either paradise or it was purpose. And sometimes people think that purpose is where your preference is. And purpose is not always where your preference is. I know for a fact that Jesus was in the middle of his purpose, but his preference was not to be up on the cross. And so, so many of us, we have to lay aside some of our preferences to follow the God-given purpose for our lives. 
Because trolls, opposition, can delay our purpose, they can distract us from purpose, or number three, they can distort our purpose. I want you to look in Nehemiah chapter 6. This is a, this is a fascinating text, and it will probably wreck some of y'all's theology, to be honest. Because there was a conspiracy against Nehemiah. What these men did, Tobias, Sambal, and Geshem, they recognized that they could not stop the work of the Lord that was being done on rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem. They realized they could not stop it. They couldn't stop it, so here's what they did. They, they focused their attack not on the walls anymore, but they focused it on the leader. And so what they did was they attacked, uh, they attacked Nehemiah, and they wanted to work with him. But Nehemiah recognized through discernment, these, these people are not trying to work with me. They're trying to intend me harm. And then they tried to slander his name. They were saying things about him that he never did, and they started spreading those lies to everybody. So they started spreading rumors about him. But then they had a third option, and I want you to look at verse 10. It says, Now I went to the house of Shemaiah, son of Deliah, uh, who was confined to his home. He said, Let us meet together in the house of God within the temple. Let us close the doors of the temple, for they are coming to kill you. They are coming to kill you by night. But then Nehemiah goes, Wait, but I said, Should such a man like I, I'm the leader here. I can't be, I can't be seen fearful like this, running away like this, hiding from people like this. He goes, Shouldn't, Soon says a man as I run away, and what man such as I should go into the temple and live? I will not go. And watch this. And I understood that God, and I understood and saw that God had not sent him, but he had pronounced a false prophecy against me because Tobiah and Sanballat had hired him. Watch this. So Tobiah and Sanballat paid a prophet. By the way, this guy was literally a prophet. He was a priest. He had, he had access to priestly areas. And so they paid a prophet to give a false prophecy so that they could lure Nehemiah in and eventually intend him harm and do harm to him or even kill him. They were trying to attack and sabotage the leader. Thank God Nehemiah had wisdom. Thank God he could recognize this was not of the Lord. This is why it's so important, young people, this is why it's so important for all my church family. It is so important that you can hear the voice of the Lord for yourself because there are people out there. Just because somebody says, thus says the Lord, doesn't mean the Lord said it. I'm going to say it again. Just because somebody said, thus says the Lord, doesn't mean the Lord said it. And write this down. Everything that sounds good isn't sound. (laughs) Everything that sounds good isn't sound always. And so we have to test prophecies because thank God Nehemiah had the wisdom to recognize this doesn't really sound like God. This sounds like fear. This sounds like somebody paid you off. And so what did Nehemiah do? He recognized that he was being trolled. He recognized that they had intentions to do him harm or to distract him from his purpose and actually distort his purpose. So they tried to confuse him. We remember that word earlier. They tried to literally confuse him because that's what trolls do. They can delay you from your purpose. They can distract you from your purpose. And they can distort your purpose because everything that sounds good isn't sound. But I want to give you one thought. I want to give you one thought. And then I want to pull a few lessons from Nehemiah's story. And we're going to be done. And I want to pray for you. I want to tell you that opposition is actually a blessing. Opposition is actually a blessing. I think looking at this story... That Sanballat, Tobiah, and Geshem actually didn't harm Nehemiah and the wall being built. I think they actually helped him because Nehemiah remained focused. All that the opposition did was keep Nehemiah closer to God. And he heard from the Lord himself. He got focused on his mission and his purpose. He kept so close and in walk and in tune with the Holy Spirit that literally Nehemiah built the wall in 52 days. Incredible. 
He built a wall that was in ruins for years, for decades, and he did it in 52 days because he had incredible people with him, because he had incredible focus, because that's what focus is. Focus is selective attention. It's literally saying, I'm focusing on one thing and I'm saying no to everything else. This is what Nehemiah was focused on. He was not focused on all the distraction and all the haters and all the opposition. There actually is blessing in having opposition because it makes you sharper, it makes you better. I actually read this really interesting thing about New Zealand. New Zealand is the home of the most flightless birds more than any other island in the world. 42% of the birds there have stubs for wings. They have no need to fly because watch, they have no predators. So there are no predators that are threatening to the birds on the island, therefore they have no need to fly. So we can come to this conclusion that the reason these birds don't fly is because they don't have opposition. I think oftentimes the worst things done to you bring the best out of you. That is what I think this is a lesson for us. Is thank God for opposition. It keeps you sharp. It keeps you focused. It keeps you locked in. It keeps you focused on your purpose. It keeps you close to God. It's like Paul said. Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, he literally says this, there is a great opportunity here for effective work, even there is so much opposition. There is always opportunities, but there is opposition attached to it, and thank God. The enemy meant it for harm, but God uses it for good. There's a blessing in opposition. There is no doubt about it. There are blessings because critics, because as we use today, trolls, they actually keep you focused on the main thing. As long as you don't allow them to delay your purpose, distort your purpose, or even distract you from purpose. So I want to give you three lessons quickly. Three lessons and I'm done. This is going to take two minutes. Three lessons and I'm done from Nehemiah's story. I think that will really help you in your life. The first thing would be this. I think you don't go as far as your dream. You go as far as your team. When it comes to your life, here's a principle that I think will be so helpful for you going forward. You don't go as far as your dream. You go as far as your team. Here's something I want to show you in Nehemiah chapter 3. There is this term that's repeated. I believe it's over 30 times. Is this term next to them. Watch this. Then, then Elishab, the high priest, his brothers, they built the sheep gate. And next to him, the men of Jericho built. And next to them, Zechariah, the son of Imri. And next to them, Miramoth. And next to them, Meshulam. And next to them, Zadok. And next to them, the Tekoites. And then it goes, and next to them, the Melatea. And next to them, Uzel. And next to them, Hananiah. And next to him, Repha. It goes on for 30, more, like literally 30 times. So how many know? Nehemiah got a dream from God to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. He got this dream, got a God dream. But he didn't do it himself. He had to have incredible team, incredible people next to him. There was even a few times in here, it talks about how they repaired the walls opposite to their house. And that's what we need more people to do, is that they take responsibility for their home first. They rebuild their home, and then you rebuild the city. And I don't know who I'm speaking to right now, but I think I'm speaking to some men in this room. I'm speaking to some men that are watching online right now. I'm speaking to some of the men that are on YouTube right now that are watching this. And you need to rebuild your home first. You need to rebuild your home, and then you need to rebuild in the kingdom. And God is calling leaders to rise up. You don't go as far as your dream. You go as far as your team. And Nehemiah accomplished an impossible God-ordained thing because he had a great God behind him and because he had a great team with him. You don't go as far as your dream. You go as far as your team. Number two, I think we can learn this. God can do more in 52 days focus than you can do in 52 years distracted. Nehemiah was locked in. Matter of fact, there was one port one portion of this story where literally Nehemiah and his men were so discouraged. They were getting threats. They were getting slandered. 
They were getting, uh, they were literally getting death threats to the point where they had to have a shovel in one hand and a sword in the other hand. They had to build a wall and they also had to watch their back because they were making sure that nobody else was coming to attack them and kill them. That's where these people were at. And they literally said, I don't think we can do this, Nehemiah. And Nehemiah gives this incredible speech, one of the greatest speeches in all of the history of humanity. It's found in Nehemiah chapter 4. He literally says it this in verse 14. Do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and who is awesome and fight for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your homes. He says, don't be afraid of them. And literally he gives this speech. There's a power in a word, by the way. There is power in your words. Literally, the, he, these words changed the face of the walls of Jerusalem. If he didn't say this, these walls would not have gotten built up, certainly not by or under the leadership of Nehemiah. Because he spoke this, these men got motivated again. And literally said, do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great, awesome. Fight for your brothers. Fight for your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your homes. He's saying fight for eternity. Remember the Lord. He's saying fight for your family, your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wives. And he says fight for legacy. Fight for your homes. And, and these people rallied together. And they realized that they can do more together. They can do more when they're focused and more than when they're united than when they are apart. I think that's a word for everybody in this room. Is God can do more in 52 days focused than you can do in 52 years distracted. These walls were in ruins. But they turned into literally a kingdom. Because these men were focused and they were locked in. And I think the third thing, and this is the most important to me. I think third observation I find from Nehemiah's story would be this. If, if you can't endure hardship, if you can't endure a nightmare, you will not see the fruition of a God dream. I'll say it again. If you cannot endure hell's nightmare, you will not see the fruition of a God dream. I'm so grateful that I get to learn from this man, this leader. He went through everything. He was, people were paid off to trick him. He was slandered. His name was misused. He was dragged through the dirt. He was physically threatened time and time again. People on his team gave up on him. People backstabbed him and betrayed him. Nehemiah went through literally everything, both external and internal. But he just kept focused. And he eventually got to see a miracle come because he never neglected the purpose of God that was on his life. This man was focused and he had endurance. He could go through it. His faith was not just strong, it was also long. <laughs> he could just with, with handle and, and, and with, withstand all the attacks of the enemy, both internally and externally. And this man did incredible things. And listen, I'm so grateful that he's just like our Savior. He's just like our Lord and Savior Jesus. Thank God that Jesus went through hell's nightmare so that we could experience God's dream. Thank God Jesus took on the crown of thorns on his head, a spear in his side, nails in his hands and feet, being spit on, mocked, abused. The Bible literally says he was abused beyond recognition. He had to carry a heavy cross on open flesh and wounds to the point where he was mocked, scarred, marred, bruised. The Bible literally talks about how he died really of a broken heart. He died of asphyxiation. You literally got to see people mock him. He said, the king of the Jews, if you're so powerful, if you're so almighty, why don't you just go ahead and save yourself? Call a legion of angels forward. He was mocked. He was bruised. He was scarred. It was physical. It was external. It was spiritual. The Lord had to turn his face away because he had the sins of humanity on him. And thank God Jesus went through hell's nightmare, which is Calvary, so that we could experience God's dream, which is the resurrection. That now, because Jesus endured a nightmare 
we now can experience a God dream and be in right relationship with our Heavenly Father. That no longer you don't have to pay for your sins. Jesus did it for you. And now I want to pray for you. I want to, I want to challenge you. You can endure. You can go through this opposition. You can, you can experience and face criticism. And maybe you're not going through it right now, but you will be. Because every calling has criticism attached to it. Every assignment, there is always an attack that follows. And so I want to pray thick skin and a soft heart over you now. And so, Father, I pray in Jesus' name for my brothers and sisters that are watching. I pray that all of us be able to endure hell's nightmare. That we may be able to withstand the attacks of the enemy. That just like Nehemiah, he had an incredible team behind him. That next to him was this man. Next to him was another man. Next to him was another team. I just thank you, Lord, that we have people that you're sending towards us in our lives. Where we can stand side by side, arm by arm, link by link. And we don't have to do this life alone. I thank you, Lord, that we were, you're giving us strength. You're giving us focus to be selectively attentive to the purposes of God in our life. I pray that, Lord, no opposition, no troll would be able to withstand or delay us or distract us or distort us from our purpose. Help us, Lord, to do these things in Jesus' name. Now, brothers and sisters, if, if you're here and you haven't given your life to Christ today, listen, He went through hell to get you to heaven. And I want to ask you on account of three, there's going to be a button below. There's also going to be, if you want to, respond physically in your room, wherever you're watching this. I want to count on three to say, that's me. I want to give my life to Christ today. I want to say yes to Jesus. One, Jesus loves you. Two, today's your day for salvation. Don't wait another minute. Three, if that's you, would you click that button? Or would you say, that's me? And we want to pray for you. We have a team that wants to talk to you and communicate with you. Because I think this is the greatest thing ever. So why don't we pray this prayer? Father, I love you so much. Thank you for sending your son Jesus to die for me. Today I repent of my sin and I ask you to forgive me. I recognize that I'm a sinner in need of a savior. And today I will live for you all the days of my life. Help me to withstand opposition, to be focused on my purpose and be like a Nehemiah that endures all things so that I can see my assignment be accomplished and my purpose be accomplished in Jesus name. And everybody said, Amen and amen. Hey, thank you so much. I hope this message helped you. If it is, if it did, would you share it with a friend? It's going to be on YouTube in just a little bit. So if it's going to help you, YouTube or podcast, send it to a few people. We love you guys. We can't wait to see you for week four of our Rebuild series. God bless you.